Welcome again to It Doesn't Take a Genius, conversation with introspective perspectives and pithy points of view. Here are your hosts, my friends, Max and Marty. I think that's Mark and Mike. Yeah, whatever. Ramsey! Oh, hi, Mike Marshall. How are you doing? Fine. I had a face palm. Well, hey, look, we, we've been Zooming long enough. We all know that if you can't get the focus to work right, you hold your hand in front of your camera, it focuses on it, then you take that away, and then it auto-focuses back to your face, right? Well, there is your Zoom tip of the day. <laughs> yeah, thank you. What's for great is I'm still in. fuzzier than you are, so, you know, yes. it didn't work. Never mind. No, extreme fuzziness has actually improves my appearance, so <laughs> I'm for it. So here we are, Plato's eight universal leadership qualities. Uh, we're down to seven and eight. Uh, pretty yes. excited about that. And uh, wow, the, I didn't see this one coming. <laughs> <laughs> I have well, to admit. Let me tell you what's so great about this is, you know, I'm, I've, I've read this much you know, what, that's uh, probably three-fourths of uh, the Republic, and heck, half of this that's left is footnotes, you know. <laughs> right. So I'm this far into the book, and I get to just these two pages, and that's where this list of eight qualities spilled out. You know, it's you can listen to the past episodes to get the full recap, but if you're going to be a leader in Plato's fictitious Republic, um, which is how he's studying what it means to be just, to be moral, um, you're you're going to need uh, these kinds of people as leaders, and you get eight qualities here in the, just two pages in this whole gigantic work, and it just blew my mind that he had sort of listed out all these things that we, you know, are still talking about today. I guess it shouldn't surprise me. I mean, it's philosophy. It's it's studying wisdom. Wisdom doesn't really change, so this is good stuff. It is. It is. Well, and we've reached this point in the book, so what does the book have to all say? Right. So, so we talked about, you know, early on about being good and solid, you know, you had to be this dependable, courageous person. Uh, we talked about, um, you know, being sharp and quick at learning. And that sort of spilled out into the, the, the last two episodes, we talked about uh, good memories and tenacious. You had to have a good memory, you had to be tenacious. Well, there's a third leg to that stool. And let me, let me read you the paragraph to sort of give the, the flavor here. Uh, we should also look for people who have good memories, are tenacious, and enjoy all kinds of work. Otherwise, there's no way that they'll be prepared to complete such a long course of intellectual study over and above all the hard work of the physical program. So, so there it is, enjoying all kinds of work, because if you don't, you'll have no way of uh, being prepared to complete uh, the, the intellectual study that's going to be over and above the physical program that you're going to uh, be required uh, to complete to be one of these leaders and and to go on using as you lead I would assume so um, so so there's the the list and I know uh, we had talked about this a little bit you immediately latched on to the fact that there was a physical program here <laughs> well yeah yeah so I thought it was interesting that you know because you're all we're always thinking of the leadership and the, the you know the, the mental strength and character and things like that uh, but that he mentions the physical part, and my my brain immediately went to the 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 science that we now know, uh, right? And it's obviously they they had figured out the, without the MRIs uh, that that in, in order for your brain to function at its best, physical uh, labor, uh, physical activity has to be involved. 
that yeah. you want increased blood flow, you want the right chemical balance in your brain, uh, then, then being physically active uh, is one of the keys. And so, uh, you know, you see this, it seems like every CEO, uh, when they talk about their daily regimen, it always starts with some sort of two mile run, hitting the gym, some sort of, you know, some sort of physical activity that allows them to then go do the mental work uh, of leadership. And, and I find that fascinating that even back then, right? I, you know, cause I'm picturing a bunch of guys in togas sitting around, you know, <laughs> making decrees about leadership. Right. Uh, but the realization that, that in order to lead for the long term, you have to have the physical stamina in order to do that. And yeah. I found that very fascinating. Yeah. And, and you know, looking at the Iliad and the Odyssey, that obviously they had a lot of slaves. You know, that was part of their culture. Um, you know, you, you conquer somebody in war and you carry off their women and children as, as slaves and so on and so forth. So they had people to do the physical work. And yet they were doing physical work. Um, now, there was, you know, there was work that you did that was, you know, the, the work to, you know, what you have to do to put food on the table. And there might've been some play, but this third element was scole where you, you sit down and have these discussions like they're having um, in, in the Republic, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about weighty things and trying to figure out what's really true. Well, but that's not what you do all the time. Right. And, and as you point out, you know, we, we've all had the experience of you know having a roadblock and saying you know what i'm going to take a break i need to go and and just pick it right you know i'm, I'm going to go mow the lawn i'm going to go uh you know chop firewood i'm you know there's a million things that uh, are are just sort of these repetitive physical tasks that put your brain in a different place and then boom suddenly you get the insight and you're past that block at work um and and it doesn't happen until after or sometimes even during <laughs> the physical work that you're doing Oh, yeah, you see that all the time. I, I'm a firm believer that if it wasn't for the riding mower, that, uh, yeah, we would never evolve. Uh, I think you know, that's when I get, you know, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a task. It's somewhat physical. But yet right. my brain is, is working on, you know, solving the problems of the day. Well, Mike, it's one of the few places where you're allowed to think. Yeah. Right? yeah I mean, you, everywhere else you should be doing stuff. If you're at work, you should be doing, doing, doing. You're not allowed to think. Uh, my my uh, father-in-law has often told me about, uh, he, he worked for a very large uh, international manufacturing firm. Um, he was at the one plant that never got shipped overseas. It was, it was the American plant that was so good, they never got shipped overseas. And he had a boss at one point who, who said, look, here's what I want you to do. And, and you need to do it for at least two hours every day. Uh, you know, put your feet on that desk, look out that window, drink your coffee. And I need you to think about some of the problems we have around here. And, and he, but think about that. He had to get permission from his boss for that to be okay. And people still came in and said, what are you doing? Right. So, so uh, there, there's a, there's an element here of um, the, the fact that, that uh, the physical and the mental are very much connected. I guess I'll just stop there and say, say that. No, but you yeah. pointed out there's another benefit. Well, yeah. When I thought of it, the, the, the second thing I thought about was, was the great examples that I've had in my life and that I've seen in my coaching and that you've read about in history where the leader, when it's, when it comes down to crunch time, they jump in and physically lend a hand, yeah. you know? And so, so the, the, the FedEx distribution center is backed up, you know, take off your suit coat, get down there and start heaving boxes, yeah. you know, and if the, you know, the, the, the ditch is 
starting to collapse. Somebody gets down there, grab a shovel, get down there, start shoveling. I had a great example in one of my automotive stores, the uh, the sales manager, uh, they were low on inventory. A bunch of cars came in. The, the cleanup department was overwhelmed. So he came in on his day off and washed cars all day. Yep. And, yep. and the message that sends from a leadership standpoint, that, that no job is above or beneath anyone in the organization, and that we all should do whatever it takes to make the organization successful. Yeah. And there, to go back to the, the quote from the Republic, there's some joy in that work, right? There, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you are to enjoy all kinds of work. That's literally the quote. So, so there's some joy in that physical labor to get it done, to be a part of the, you know, the, the big machine of, of what you're trying to accomplish and being all in on big things and little things because they're, they're all uh, required. They're all a part of, of it happening. And the, the humility to do that um, is much easier when you really enjoy what it is that you're collectively doing. Well, and this goes to one of my one of my theories about modern work, which is that that so much of our work, uh, there's no visual recognition, there's no visual reward that it has been done. Yeah, and I I firmly believe this is why you know when you go into any accountant or auditor's office. There's an 18 foot long roll of tape hanging out of their adding machine, you know, and so they want to, they want people to walk in and go, my, whoa, you have crunched some numbers. (laughs) Whatever we're paying you, it's worth the money. So, so there's so much work we do now that at the end of the day, your computer, you've worked all day on your computer and you've emailed and texted and all that. And literally visually nothing has changed. So, so that's a great segue into the other side of this coin, the intellectual study. Um, and, you know, we, we've talked about this the last couple of weeks that, you know, the, all the old saws about, you know, um, all leaders are readers and uh, just, just the different things that, you know, leadership has to do to continue to grow. And obviously, the, you know, hip socket, my business, we talk about wrestle and grow, right? And so, so physical and, and intellectual both here are, are growth opportunities. Well, if you're going to enjoy it, there, there has to be some significance to it. So you, you pointed out, you know, you, you don't even see a result of your work in the modern era. Well, we've talked about this, I think, before, uh, but Sisyphus, the, there's a famous uh, story uh, from uh, Greek mythology about a, a man, a, a king who's doomed in the underworld to roll a boulder up a hill. And he gets almost to the top, and then it rolls back down. And then he has to start back at the bottom and roll it up the hill again. And it's all this hard work and exertion. And then it rolls back down and then he does it again. And then he does it again. And then he does it again. And for eternity, he is doing a job that has no purpose. And in fact, you never actually ever see the payoff either. And how many of us have got ourselves in situations, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, we could talk about factory work. And you know assembly line work and and you know repetitive motion. We have repetitive motion injuries nowadays, right? <laughs> so this right. is like a real thing, but it's just as real for those of you that are primarily quote unquote working with mental labor or emotional labor. You know, another day, another customer, another situation. Here I am again, and what what does any of this amount to? What does it even what does it even mean? 
What is there any value here? So this is a real thing that you have brought up that I think Plato would completely identify with. Well, when you think about, you know, people redefining their jobs in terms of the why mm-hmm. to, to bring that joy that, you right. know, you see, you know, we have a, a receptionist and she's, she's, you know, changed her title to the president of smiles. <laughs> and it's her job when somebody walks in to get them to smile. Yeah. And, and so, so what looked like kind of a mundane task is now an actual leadership role in the organization as the face yeah. of that organization. You talk and, about key. Yeah. Yeah. And we, you know, we always, you know, we always kind of discount those positions, but those are the positions that interact most frequently with our customers. Yeah. So finding purpose in that, you know, I had, I had, a, I think we've talked about, I had a detail manager and, and he, you know, hired all these young people to clean cars and, he didn't see it as that. What he saw was he was developing young people uh, for to better themselves in whatever career came next. Yeah. And so his job was to finish polishing whatever their parents, whatever society, whatever schooling had, had failed to teach them. It was his job. He took it upon himself to, to bring them up to speed with some of these things so that if they stayed here, they'd be a better employee. And if they went out into the world, they would be more successful. And so that that purpose motive beyond, uh, you know, we wash a bunch of cars every day uh, right. to, to I'm teaching life skills to young people that could benefit them for the next 80 years. Uh, that gives meaning and purpose and gets you up out of the bed more. Yeah. And I'm sort of picturing these shells that uh, get bigger and bigger as you go out. You know, there's the task that you're doing. You know, what are you doing? I'm washing a car. Why? So the car will be clean. Okay. Um, why are you doing that? Well, the car's got to be clean because this customer's going to be taken care of then. And why are you doing that? Well, it's because our department, our organization is going to thrive when we keep taking care of these customers. Why do you care about any of this? Well, to be honest, it's, it's the people, right? There, there's, some, there's some people element here. Um, the, the other thing I was going to bring up, Mike, is, uh, and I, I probably have mentioned this before, but uh, the, the man who basically started, founded uh, the Western monastic tradition, uh, St. Benedict. Uh, Benedict had these, <clears throat> he, he actually did it the wrong way first. He had a sort of a failed attempt at a monastery, and then he sort of figured out a, a system that worked. And as I recall, uh, they sort of divided, it was like a cell that would divide once they got to a certain number of people, and they'd go and, and form a different community. And so he kept it a certain number. He, he had all these rules. In fact, that's what it was. It was called the rule of Benedict, a very short sort of, uh, you know, uh, treatise on here's how you should run a monastery. And one of the big rules is ora et labora, which means pray and work. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's just, it's always been special to me because, uh, and I, I don't know any monks in my family. Uh, we're not even Catholic. Um, but the, uh, the Ramses, Clan Ramsey, uh, when they started in the Middle Ages as a, as a highland, as, excuse me, as a lowland clan in, in Scotland, um, that was the motto. And so you can, you can sort of see that uh, the thread of that as I go through my family's heritage. I have a great uncle who was dean of labor for a, a college that's a work study college where everybody on campus works in, in lieu of tuition. Wow. Um, I, I have a, a father who is just ate up with his work, uh, loves what he does, has passed on his love of, uh, you know, working to his, all four of his sons. 
Um, and I could, I, I could just go back through the, the chain. I, I have a, a family member who was uh, involved in the labor movement with uh, uh, starting uh, uh, the uh, union, organizing the union in the 1930s at Bethlehem Steel in Pennsylvania. I could keep going and going and going. But you, you see what's happening there is there's kind of two things going on. One is, um, gosh, I'm part of something bigger because of this heritage that I come from doesn't have to be from your biological heritage. It could be from your work heritage, right? Your mentor's heritage. That's bigger than you. That gives meaning to your work. Um, and then there's a, a layer above that. Like, like, why are you doing any of this? But the ultimate why, you know, what's the good of all of this? And, and my guess is that there'll be some God connection to that ultimately, you know, mm-hmm. um, the, the, uh, the, one of the catechisms says uh, that the purpose of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. There's that enjoy word again, right? Like I'm going to enjoy this even when it's like not something that I necessarily enjoy doing in the moment, but there's, there's something ultimate about this that makes it a joy to, to suffer through, if you will. I think that's a bigger deal than the average department the average employer gives credit and if they'd slow down and give their people some space to think about that and if the employees would slow down and give themselves some space to go what why am i doing this um it wouldn't cause a bunch of people to quit and say i'm going to go join a monastery what it would do is it would cause a bunch of people to say you know what here's what turns me on about this so I, I, that was that was a little preachy and, and long-winded, but I, I think this is a really, really big deal, and we don't slow down enough to, to think it through so that we are more fulfilled in our work. No, I think you're right. Yeah, I think, it, you know, you get caught up in, you know, the whirlwind, as we call it, and the, the day-to-day and the deadlines and the tasks, and ultimately, yeah, you don't stop to think about, okay, what is the, what is the end goal here? What right. is the, the ultimate reward for this, for this job? Right, and it's only in the in those thoughts that you find the the, the motivation to keep doing it, and yeah. so so yeah, that's that's where it all comes from. So, I mean, some huge takeaways from the you know from this very simple and short passage. <laughs> right, you know, it's like oh man, you know, this is this is pretty deep. So so yeah, the 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 physical labor uh, it must accompany the, the, the mental labor of leadership. And so, and so, yeah, it's very difficult to lead if you don't have the physical stamina and, and your, your brain is not sufficiently supplied with all of the, the materials it needs to have the great leadership right. thoughts and to convey those thoughts yeah, uh, yeah. as well as finding, you know, finding the, the purpose, uh, supplies motivation as well. So, so two different things to look at here. Uh, but but you can't, you know, as, as Plato so eloquently says, you can't have one without the other. Yeah, yeah, great way to say it. Great, great summary. So we've got one more of these uh, next week, um, and uh, I, I don't want to spoil it, but I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that we're going to make sure you're not a bastard. Oh, yeah. Now, is that clickbaity enough for you, Mike? Uh, yes, yes, I think that, uh, yeah, no bastards. <laughs> yeah, that's our new motto. For the next episode well that should confuse everybody uh, so <laughs> tune in for more clarity uh, uh, next week so uh yeah and if this is uh, two years from now i'd just go ahead and let the thing play and the next one will start <laughs> right <laughs> i love the technology yeah all right let's see what our announcer has to say 
And there you have it, another session of contemporaneous extemporizing from Mark and Mike. I know it's redundant, but consider who we're talking about. As always, feel free to share the ideas you heard here. No rights are reserved, no permissions needed. Thanks. See you next time on It Doesn't Take a Genius. That's good enough.